Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the official Planet Jaden podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 11. That's right. If you missed episodes uh, 1 through 10, you have some catching up to do. So go back, listen. If you already listened, listen again. Because why not? They're a good time. You know what I mean? So episode 11. This one is going to be yet another spooky story for October. So as as you probably know, episodes uh, 4 through 12 are all going to be spooky stories. And it's because for the entire month of October, I'm doing two episodes a week, both being a little spooky, right? So that means the episode after this, unfortunately is going to be the last spooky story. For now. For now, of course. Uh, I'm probably going to have Renee on again so that her and I can do another true crime story because that was a whole lot of fun. And um, also, in update, we'll be coming for episode four. Episode four was the true crime murder story that Renee and I talked about. This is an update that you will literally not be able to get from any other podcast. I was able to get into contact. Well, this person actually reached out to me who was directly involved in that case. So we had a conversation through Instagram DMs and we're going to talk about it. Uh, It was kind of done interview style where I would ask questions and they would answer, but it's not your typical interview where you can hear the other person, right? Because it was over Instagram DMs. That episode is coming November 5th. So next week, right? I am so excited. I was so shocked that this person reached out to me. It was honestly the last thing that I was expecting. When I saw the Instagram DM, I had to do a little fact-checking and verification that this person was who they said that they were. But, girl, it checks out. And I'm really, really excited about that. But, like I said, that's November 5th. This episode is going to be a creepypasta story called The Rake. You may have heard of it. You may not have heard of it. I haven't heard of it until I read the first couple of paragraphs and I was like, oh shit, this is a little scary. So grab your popcorn, grab your blanket, grab your friends, and let's get scary. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact, as most outline and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primaries focused in rural New York State and once found in Idaho, self-proclaimed witness told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions ranged from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While their published versions are no longer on record, the memories remain powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. 
In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents, dating between the 12th century and present day, spanning four continents. In almost all cases, the stories were identical. I've been in contact with a member of this group and was able to get some excerpts from their upcoming book. The following is a suicide note from 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assert any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form. Once again I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what might come next. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. Dearest Lillian, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. The next is a journal entry translated from Spanish from 1880. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His hands wet. I will not sleep. Next is an unknown log from 1961. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed, I felt a sensation. He took everything. I must return. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. The next is from a witness in 2006. Three years ago, I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m. I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet from the edge of the bed, quickly, and his knees almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arms and knees, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around sides of the bed and then crawled in a flailing motion right alongside the bed until it was less than a foot away from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for what felt thir like 30 seconds, but it was probably closer to five. Just looked at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kid's room. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he could hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned and looked directly at me, 
covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter. The creature ran from downstairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, He is the rake. My husband drove his car into the lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen a creature we now refer to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believed to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving a creature in its first three pages and never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake, and that was the last entry in that log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was a series of visits in with the same person. People mentioned being spoken to, just like my daughter included. This leads us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around my bed each day when I woke up. And by the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep being blurred through the recordings at eight times the normal speed. But still, this took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at that time, but for some reason, the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head makes me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one day I'll wake up and see him staring at me. It wasn't until years later that the SCP Foundation captured the rake. Hey hookers, we're back. So that was the rake. It's a little bit shorter than a couple of the other stories that we've done, but still a little creepy. Uh, the SCP Foundation caught it. They decided to label it SCP-96, which if that sounds familiar. If you go listen to episode six titled Don't Look At It, you can see what happened when the SCP foundation captured subject 96 girl is it a wild one unfortunately that takes us to the end of this episode so thank you guys so so much for listening hopefully 
you guys will continue to listen and you will replay, repeat, and rewind the previous episodes to keep on listening. Thank you guys so much and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.